Inside Westminster, Chapter 193, Noble Rot. In spite of the turmoil caused by the bombshell of the Internal Market Bill, life in the Westminster bubble carried on in a new normal manner, with wifely antics causing much feather-fluffing amongst posturing males and hen-bird squawking of equally feather-ruffled females. The reason for all this avian strife was the Post's serialisation of diaries kept by Vixie Squire, still wife of ex-MP Sir Noble Squire and daughter of late Cabinet Minister Lord Walter Cunworthy of Dillbank. In spite of her privileged life of education, of private education, pony clubbing and, later in her teenage years, Caribbean holidays on Daddy's friend's super yachts and hand-picked bows queuing up to Squire Squire, this was no fey, demure female schooled in the art of wifely diplomacy. No, she was feisty, merciless and out for revenge, her husband having not made the grade necessary to be truly one of Steve Cannon's inner sanctum, her husband having been overlooked for promotion to the super-stratosphere of one of the triumvirate of Chancellor, Home Secretary or Foreign Secretary. No, Noble had only ever merited Minister of State for that offshore backwater Celtic fringe of Northern Ireland – and it was a place she had come to realise she would never feel truly at ease in, not only for its climate of rain, rain and yet more rain, but for its people who'd between them forged a society she couldn't relate to. This was a place where she'd learnt she had to watch her P's and Q's, where those who dared aspire and be different were brought crashing down to their rightful place with a will clip her wings. No, Fixie had come truly to feel that the place she had had to call home for three years, a castle no less, though much in need of modernising, was anything but. She had agreed to toe the line, as her husband back then had this thing called a career, so it was in her interest to give a shit, which she didn't now, as, she hadn't, as he hadn't got a starry career anymore, for reasons too painful to dwell on. But in the end, she would only be enticed over to their residence for the most special occasions. International summits or gala-studded balls. Then she was in her milieu and could avoid the likes of Mrs Tractor and Chantelle O'Malley, Chantelle O'Malley. Though in her day, it had been the equally objectionable male duo whose names she couldn't quite conjure up. All she could remember was sitting next to a rather rat-faced, charmless man who droned on about the gale tag and fialty. No, Fixie had scores to settle and serious money to make as the roof of their Cornish bolt hole, Dillbank Castle, needed replacing at a cost of a cool half million. And her late father's ancestral pile in County Sligo, Lisnabrina, was running with damp. And that would require the remortgaging of their substantial mansion opposite Harvey Nicks in Knightsbridge. Since Noble, charming as he was and as useful as he had been at fathering their four delightful offspring, was pretty darn useless and was actually qualified to do the square root of bugger all. Goes to show what skills are needed to be a politician, Fixie was wont to say, adding wryly, I mean, Noble couldn't find a decent job bringing in a salary which could feed more than the dogs for years. That's right, darling, besotted and seemingly stupid Noble would often reply, and depending on those seated around their enormous dining table, 
would add either, so my darling wife has gone out and saved the day, or so she's set to embarrass the whole lot of us politicos by faithfully noting all our conversations and faithlessly exploiting us all when we're down on our luck and least able to fend it all off. Obviously, if the Shroves trudged Joneses, it was Sophia on Potty's arm in those days, or the cannons were being hosted, it was the former appendage, and for everyone else it was the latter. And true to her word, out it had popped, or pooped, as Catchrove said on phoning Sophia Mowbray Dick, who was still one of her closest, closest friends, adding that she'd been suspicious of Vixie from day one and had come to rue the day she ever offered to help with any hosting, catering, skivvying or whatever. I mean, how dare she? Who does she think she is? All she's got is her name and a very loose tongue. The members of the three C's, Cotswold's Cornish Cabinet, set were quaking in their boots at the thought of their alcohol-induced schoolboy antics and squirmingly made apologies for events past and yet to be aired, like the time when Steve Cannon had ineptly suggested Vixie and he nip into the undergrowth for some nookie, or when Peter Potty inadvertently started to stroke Vixie's thigh, presumably mistaking it for his rather differently thighed wife. No, there would be much spluttering over breakfast cereal bowls as sexual flounderings and proclivities were revealed, as if each family in this group, once so tightly knit, could take any more. <laughs>